Leadership File on Premiere. Welcome to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. It is an industry that used to be at the heart of national life, but is now on the periphery for many. I'm referring to the farming industry, which in the middle of the 19th century used to have one in five workers. But increases in technology and yields mean less than 1% of the working population is now engaged on the farm. Many town and city dwellers have little knowledge of the industry and providing their supermarket is well stocked and food is cheap, barely give it a thought. I'm joined today by Christopher Jones, the National Coordinator of the Agricultural Christian Fellowship, ACF, and founder and president of Farming Community Network, formerly Farm Crisis Network, FCN. He has farmed in Northamptonshire since 1975, having worked previously with Church Mission Society where he was involved in agriculture development work in Nigeria and Kenya. He's also co-author of Honey and Thistles, hyphen, Biblical Wisdom for Renewal of Farming. So welcome, welcome Christopher to the Leadership File. Thank you very much. So tell me, how did you get into farming, Christopher? Basically because when my father came back from the Second World War, he horrified my mother by saying he decided he was going to go farming. Wow. Then we went farming. <laughs> so what age were you at this point? We, when I came to the farm, I was seven. Oh, crumbs. Right, okay. Mm. And, then, and then you went on to study agriculture yourself? Yes, I went to university and studied agriculture. I got I got a degree, which was important. I learned a lot, and I that's where I first came into contact with the Church Business Society, and it's also most importantly of all where I met my wife. Okay, so uh, your wife's name is Ita. Ita, an okay. Irish name. Yeah, okay. splendid, good. Um, so, uh, what what happened after university? Um, I had a study tour in the United States of about three and a half months where I was treated with great kindness and learned a lot about dry land, grassland and soil erosion and all sorts of things. And then I went, started, my our connection with Nigeria began. I went there for six months before we were married and then after we were married to get used to each other a bit in England before we had to get used to Nigeria. I taught biology in a grammar school and then we went to Nigeria and where we were with interruptions including a year in Kenya we were there for about 10 years. Oh well and those were kind of formative experiences for you um, for, for later life? Yes I mean the unhappy thing about southern Nigeria is the climate which when you when you're going full throttle, you sort of manage to go, but as soon as you ease the throttle a bit, the hot, damp climate sort of suppresses you a bit and you become rather sluggish. Right. But there right. we go. Yes. Um, yes. It's, I mean, a number of sort of exaggerated and difficult things happened, like um, the part of Nigeria we were in was the point of civil war for some time um, but those kind of experiences 
I mean, one thing I, I learned was being, in that period, completely dependent on people from another culture and another world for my very survival, which is a salutary experience. Sure. And, I, I mean, the commonality was Christian belief. Um, and I learned about, obviously I learned about different climates and different crops and and different attitudes to work and a lot about how to relate to people and how to let them to relate to me um, and it was a it was a tough experience but it was a very valuable one right. um, for both for both of us sure. both our children were the older one was there till she was eight and the younger one till she was three right, but, right. Um, yeah well wow. ten years a different world it's a hot dry climate and where we were was five thousand feet above sea level so it wasn't as hot um harder to get to know people in in Nigeria you very quickly became deeply involved in the whole of life that was going on around you in Kenya people were a bit more reticent had had a sort of heavier experience of of um Europeans dominating their world in the past right um, whereas in Nigeria there were never enough Europeans to really dominate people's lives I understand sure sure um now, I mean, at one level, agriculture is an industry dependent upon the cycle of food production, which God has given us. But um, you mentioned in your book uh, that farming is something of a unique business. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of the... it You can't predict exactly what you're going to produce. You, you Ultimately, you, you, you have a certain amount of control but ultimately you don't have total control and you have to live with that. You have to live with the fact that if there is enough of the product that you produce in circulation, the prices will tend to be low because if bicycles or televisions suddenly become cheap, people will buy more of them. But nobody's going to buy extra loaves of bread because they're suddenly cheap. No, no. And conversely, if they... If they become expensive, people are going to keep on trying to buy the same number, and yeah. therefore the swings in price are, are always tend to be exaggerated, unless there is some sensible government policy to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's unique about it, or nearly unique, is that all the aspects of people's lives are tied up with it. A farm is where people have their livelihood, they hope, it's where they work, it's where they live, it's their home, it's quite possibly the family's past, there may be people in the household who see it as their future, and it, and people's sense of identity is, is wrapped up in it as well. So if people get into any kind of difficulty, then it can affect everything, including the family relationships and so on, in a way that 
a, a difficulty around work. It's, it's tough, but it doesn't embrace all aspects of life. I mean, you could even say that farmers very often tend to have their recreation around things that happen on, on farms. So it's... Uh, um, I mean, there are certain other livelihoods like small shopkeeper living over the shop and so on, which have some similar qualities, but it's not normal. Sure, sure. And of course, the the commodity markets that help determine the price the farmer receives are often not connected to anything other than speculation by traders. And so that can be seem a very unfair system. Yeah, and what's even worse, actually, is that, I mean, the the... the Traders have great power, and very often markets in food are rather like an old-fashioned egg timer, very narrow in the middle and open at both ends. So you have thousands of farmers supplying millions of consumers through a small number of supermarkets or a small number of traders or a small number of processors. And if you look at food commodities, all types from coffee to peas, you can see this picture of this narrow neck. So, of course, the people at the narrow neck tend to have control over the whole thing. And the other more recent phenomenon, which burst forth in 2008 is banks and hedge funds and people like that doing what they call investment banking but what it probably should be called gambling in commodity bonds and all sorts of things so in 2008 for example the, the price of wheat and various other basic commodities shot up 50 percent and everybody started saying it was because People in India were eating more or something, and about three months later, it, sh- it shot down 50%. And, and it, it, it was the people doing the speculating tried to hide it for as long as possible, but eventually the World Bank and other people pinpointed it, and it was perfectly clear what was happening. And I'm afraid it will probably happen again. Mm-hmm. And it's um, unless the steps are taken to control it. Sure, sure. That's a big and complicated story, but it's it's a very serious one. No, sure, and I think it's worth worth mentioning for listeners who, you know, think, oh, it's, it seems like a simple business, um, you know, farmers produce their stuff and then sell it, but it's actually far more complicated than that, and it has a, a knock-on effect on the whole, the whole industry. Um, I mean, yeah. without getting too political, Christopher, it's clear that big business and in particular supermarkets have to some extent controlled farmers in ways that, that many would regard as unfair. Yeah, unfair and sometimes um, inappropriate. I mean, if it's in effect, small numbers of people in remote boardrooms are making decisions which control the future of farming it may be taking it in ways that are not suitable for the land or the future and all sorts of other things yeah yeah and and obviously they the the, the price that the, the the supermarket spend uh you know insist on certain products and also it, they they control the terms at which farmers are paid often yeah. many months later than um than they need yeah. to be yeah yeah 
Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Christopher Jones. Uh, Christopher is the National Coordinator of the Agricultural Christian Fellowship and founder and president of Farming Community Network. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Christopher Jones, the National Coordinator of the Agricultural Christian Fellowship and founder and president of Farming uh, Community Network. We were talking a little bit before the break of how he... Uh, grew up on a on a farm and uh, later went to serve with uh, church mission society in uh, Nigeria and in, in Kenya we're looking at also the some of the challenges farmers find uh, today particularly with the um, things outside of their control determining price and determining uh, the way things are um, but moving on to, to, to the sort of leadership dimension uh, Christopher of what you do um, the two organizations you help lead agriculture Christian fellowship and the the Farming Community Network. So let's talk about ACF first of all. What does ACF aim to do? Well, it's basically what its name says. It arose originally from people who had left college or university and been in um, a Christian union, and they wanted to continue to have a social relationship with each other, from which it grew into being a fellowship open to anybody around the world of farming, whether they'd been to college or whether they hadn't. It does, first of all, what it says it does. It it provides a a forum. It provides contact with people. It has a three times a year um, little update that it circulates, um, and it has a website. Um, Gradually, as more and more ethical and other issues have arisen within farming, it has provided a place for debating and thinking about some of these issues. And at the moment, of course, farming faces a whole uncertainty caused by Brexit, and that's throwing up um, a lot of issues. Um, Uh, And even questions really like, how do you live in high degree of uncertainty? Uh, And where does hope come from? And and we're having a a conference shortly about all of these things. Uh, And I mean, one of the things that, that we've looked at a bit is we've looked at the way people have reacted to the threat of and the impact of these hurricanes and how does it how is it that somebody in the british virgin islands can stand in the middle of a heap of firewood which was his livelihood and say of course i have hope or woman lady saying well in jesus i have hope Mm. um and separating that kind of hope from the sort of hope which is wrapped up in a spiritual cocoon and doesn't actually relate to the practical things that you have to do to cope with things that are happening. Sure. So sure. That, that's um, coming up on the 14th of November. Splendid, yeah. Um, so that, and, the, and another thing that came out of the ACF is this farming community network which actually arose out of the ACF's contacts with a Christian farming group in Württemberg in Germany. 
and um, Wurttemberg was also connected with the history of CMS because it provided many of the early missionaries that CMS sent out. So that was how I first became aware of things in Wurttemberg. Um, and it, it was those people who really highlighted this thing about all the different aspects of people farming people's lives being all in one package, which was not influencing the way in which people in Britain were responding to farming stresses. So it was a it was an important um, encounter with them, and um, so it was ACF with uh, another organisation that got Farming Community Network off the ground, which is now a bigger organisation than ACF. Sure, uh, and this was especially important at the time of the foot and mouth outbreak in two thousand and one when. Uh, 2,000 yeah, ca- cases of the diseases in farms across most of the British countryside with over yeah, 10 million. And that, and that was where FCN rather suddenly grew to a huge extent. I yes. mean, it went from having a whole handful of helpline telephone calls a week to at one point having nearly 60 in an hour once. Yes. So it was a. It, it, and I, I seem to recall I didn't even have time to have a haircut for ten months. Right. Gracious. Yes. Yeah. But there have been other outbreaks of problems as well. The British government has had a habit of mishandling the administration of various parts of common agricultural policy which, of course, farmers have been led to blame Europe, which has nothing to do with their fault at all. And um, those uh, and uh, uh, some other animal disease outbreaks, and those things have um, given a heavy, heavy workload. Yes, I understand the government's computer at one point really didn't function at all, and uh, a number of farmers were, were missing key payments. There have been huge problems, and recently, yeah, the government's computer couldn't couldn't handle the, the applications for some reason, and instead of allowing people to submit them directly to the rural payments agency, they all had to go through the government central system, and it wouldn't work. Yeah, and then a lot of people waited months to be paid and of course you not only wait you don't know when how long you're waiting and you don't even know whether there's going to be a problem and you're not going to get it right. so then you start owing money to other people and or uh, and life becomes really difficult yes yes um and and the leadership challenges of uh, of running fcn um well if you're leading something where nearly everybody is a volunteer, you have to, of course, have a different way of doing it from if everybody is on the payroll and ultimately has to do what they're asked because that's the discipline structure. Sure. So you, you've got to do things by consensus. You've got to discuss 
situations with people, you've got to figure out with them what is the way forward with dealing with this or dealing with the other. Um, and it's um, and you have to be careful about selecting volunteers, and you have to, um, and then you have to work with and, and develop the necessary training and so on. And in fact, the leader in Württemberg came over to England to help us in setting up the first group or two of volunteers. So um, it's a different style of leadership required. Right. But again, that's that, that's one of the things I first picked up in Nigeria. If you're in a, a sort of halfway down leadership role in somebody else's country, you've got to do things by consensus rather than by instruction. Right, indeed. Indeed. And uh, so the farming uh, community network kind of is partly a help helpline. You, um, there is a helpline. People also make contacts at places like markets and so on, and quite a few uh, cattle markets and so on. There's there are somebody from FCN um, walking around and talking to people and that sort of thing. That becomes easier when the organisation has become a bit better known, which it is now. Sure. Um, and um, and then you have to build links with all sorts of people, solicitors, technical consultants, people to help you, to help people negotiate with banks, and you have to have a whole raft of um, contacts in all sorts of walks of life who are prepared to give a bit of time when asked. Sure. Um, so uh, we, we will um, give details of the, the farming community network on the on the website for people to uh, find out. Obviously, they can um, they can type that, the name into a search engine if they're if they're listening and and they're aware that they might need uh, help themselves or have uh, you know people they know who they who could value the kind of help yeah. that you're giving. Yeah, yeah. Or likewise, if they're interested in coming to the ACF conference or joining ACF then the details for that will be available. Wonderful. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for, for shedding a little light on a uh, an area of life I realise that uh, many folk will be unaware of. Um, I, I myself, of course, have a little bit of a farming background, hence some of the questions I've asked. Um, yeah. I studied agricultural economics, as you know, but um, at uh, yeah. university. But, and um, your father is... Your father is actually an FCN volunteer. Well, indeed, he is. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah. Yeah, on the Isle of Wight. So, um, so that's a great. It's been you've been, uh, uh, you know, your uh, leadership and ministry have been a great blessing. So, thank you. Thank you. Well, you've been listening. Right. You've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Christopher Jones. Uh, just a reminder: for Christopher Jones is the uh, national director of uh, national coordinator of the Agriculture Christian Fellowship, and founder and president of Farming Community Network formerly the Farm Crisis Network. Uh, so it's been great to, to chat with him. Uh, if you've if anything that I've been chatting with has, has sparked an interest in you, particularly if you're in a rural area and, and have a particular need, then um, do uh, get in touch. The uh, The details of the uh, ministries will be on the, um, the on-demand section of the Premier website uh, connected to the leadership file. So do, um, do join... Uh, uh, to get your information from there um, you can also find of course archive versions of a leadership farm by going to that on demand 
section and then on, on iTunes you can find all the past shows uh, well, at least over 100 past shows you can go to and listen to uh, whoever you may have missed so I look forward to your company again next Sunday at uh, 3.30 thanks for tuning in You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.